Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Joining me today is Orfe Dihungi, our chief economist and one of my very good friends. Orfe and I are going to tackle the economic recovery from COVID-19. Orfe, when the heck is the economy going to get back to normal? Look, when you look at the numbers right now, uh, we have at least another year to go uh, before we can get back to pre-COVID employment in Illinois. And that's assuming that there's uh, there are no new shocks, Uh, you know, like we're seeing inflation rising rapidly. Uh, We don't want uh, any changes in monetary policies that could actually uh, hurt that recovery. We also have to worry about state government. In Illinois, there's a ton of uncertainty surrounding the policy climate uh, because of this big pension problem. Uh, You know, this pension crisis creates a ton of tax policy uncertainty. Uh, And so uh, if all things stay the same, uh, we should be back to pre-COVID employment levels uh, around July, August of 2022. If all things stay the same. I love this uh, topic of uncertainty. You've introduced me to a lot of behavioral things to watch when it comes to understanding the economy and how people respond to different policy choices and programs or whatever it is. Um, Before we dive into a lot of the data that you've been pulling from your research, I want you to tell us a little bit about this concept of uncertainty and why specifically when we talk about public policy choices, this idea of not knowing what politicians are going to do next really matters. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, you want to buy a house, uh, you want to buy a car. But, you know, if you don't know what your income is going to be tomorrow, you're probably going to just have to uh, hold and wait, wait and see. And so, uh, you know, for the economy to grow, you have people that need to invest. Right. So whether it's private, the private sector investing into the economy, those people are going to have to wait and see. And so they don't invest. And if they don't invest, you know, we can't grow as fast as other states. And so in Illinois, the fact that we've had uh, two uh, record income tax increases, the fact that we see uh, increase in property taxes every six months or so. That's, uh, that's a scary proposition for people who are outside looking in, but also for Illinoisans who are wondering whether they should stay here or move somewhere else where you know they'll get more for their money. I want to talk about this good news, bad news situation that you were sharing with me earlier. You, you said, in terms of how we're doing right now, from an economic perspective here in Illinois, that there really is a little bit of, of bad news, but there's some good news. What's the bad news first? Well, the bad news is that we're recovering so much slower than every other state. When you look at the jobs that were disproportionately harmed by COVID-19, and you look at the types of workers that are in those jobs, you, you worry. You worry because the people that were hurt by COVID-19 are on the low end of the income distribution. They're Black, Hispanic uh, whites without a college degree. And, and when you look at their labor force participation over the past year, it has fallen. A lot of them have left the labor force altogether uh, for many reasons. But, you know, the, the biggest two reasons are, number one, there were no jobs for them. All right. And so uh, there was no point to look for work. 
And the second reason is when you're at the bottom of the income distribution, extended unemployment benefits uh, and the lack of job search requirements actually put your unemployment income above your lost earnings. And so you have no incentive to get back to looking, actively looking for work. And so on one hand, the unemployment benefits supported many families and helped, right? Uh, on the other hand, as the economy is trying to recover, they could actually keep those people out of the recovery. And that's actually what we're seeing in Illinois right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a choice that you can understand, right? If, if it's more profitable to stay home, you stay home. I, I know people in that situation. At the same time, what we need to get our economy going again is a robust labor force. I want you to talk about this idea that people bring to you a lot here. I know they bring this to you and they say, we see all these help wanted signs. Why can't people find workers? And I know you think it's more complicated than that. Absolutely. I mean, we had, uh, you know, we at the start of the pandemic, we talked about a V-shaped, W-shaped, L-shaped recovery, but ultimately we have a K-shaped recovery, right? So there are Industries that are doing really well, right? Growing rapidly, creating new vacancies, trying to attract workers. And there are industries that are not doing so well. In fact, there are a lot of jobs that were closed permanently, a lot of, a lot of businesses that are never coming back online. And so when we look at the aggregate numbers, we can't ignore the fact that they mask the fact that there are two economies, really, uh, one at the bottom and one at the top. Right. Uh, that's one. The second thing is when I talk about unemployment benefits exceeding lost earnings at the low end, well, those workers are probably not going to be going back to low paying jobs. We should really think about what we want to do in the state of Illinois. Do we want to invest in people in the future or do we want to continue to throw money into a bottomless pit? You know, the this pension problem, right, that now takes up 11.6, costs $11.6 billion this past year and uh, roughly 27% of our budget. A lot of these workers that are currently out of the labor force, some of them would like to go back to work. They just want to go to better paying jobs that offer growth opportunities, right? So it's not just a matter of, uh, you know, they don't want to work. It's, hey, maybe they want to work, but they'd like to have the opportunity or uh, to go to better paying jobs that could help them, uh, help their households, help their families. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's what we're saying. It's unfortunate, right, that a state like Illinois, relatively richer than other states, is not investing in people, right? It's leaving black and Hispanic women in particular struggling on the sidelines instead of helping them acquire the skills they need to move into uh, better paying jobs and to provide for their families better. This is really important, this idea that you just described that there are really two economies. There's the economy for the people who have means and there's the economy for the people who are struggling to get by. Um, and you talked about investment. So when we think about public policy, because that's what we do here, right? We're talking about problems and we're looking for the solutions to fix them. One of the problems that, that we've identified is this really skewed priority list that the state of Illinois has. And it's not just the state, it's local governments as well and different government entities. Um, 
I know you and Adam talk about this a lot. You talk about the fact that people will pay taxes and they won't really mind it too terribly much as long as you're using their tax money for things that give them value, things that they want, things that they need, things that make their lives better. And so when you talk about figuring out how we fix this problem as a problem of priorities in spending, what do you mean by that? And how does fixing our spending priorities help get the economy back on track? Absolutely. So the economy is really the sum of private household spending and public spending. And so public spending can actually support the economy, can help grow it, right? Because it adds to the pie, right? And and makes the pie bigger. Unfortunately, in Illinois, you know, when we're failing to invest in people, right? Give them the skills they need to to work, to be more productive uh, on the job. And those people are young, middle-aged people trying to get out there and, and earn a living and be productive. And, and when we fail to do that, uh, we restrict the growth rate of our economy, right? We, there are so many foregone opportunities every time that we decide to put our money into, a, into this pit, into this thing that provides no added value to taxpayers today, to workers, to businesses, uh, you know, we're, we're actually slowing the growth rate of our economy. But what's this pit? Because you talk about the, the pit. What does that actually the, this mean? Is, this is this pension problem, right? So, you know, you have public employee uh, retirees who I believe deserve some retirement. However, if that benefit grows too fast, right, exceeding the growth rate of our economy, then we have a problem. You know, where do we find the funds to finance uh, this problem? There are two ways to do that. Either we raise taxes, which will hurt labor demand, right, which will hurt job creation in Illinois, or we take money from programs that help the poor and less fortunate. We take money from higher education, right? We take money away from things that actually would improve our communities, and we put it into this pension problem. And that's exactly what Illinois has done in the last 20 years or so. But there's this third choice, right? And that's what we keep pushing for. It's not cut services or hike taxes. There's a third option. That's right, right? The third option is let's reform the pension system. It's broken. Let's fix it. It's broken in Illinois. It's broken in all 50 states. If you look at many of the states, you know, some states have actually reformed their pension system ahead of everyone else. But Illinois has the worst crisis in the nation. And so we should be sprinting towards pension reform and unfortunately, we're not. We're not because of politics. We're not because, uh, you know, the union bosses who have advocated for these loaded pensions are contributing to politicians' campaigns. And, and, you know, that's the problem in Illinois. All of us here are rooting for Illinois to get back on its feet. We want our, our home to thrive. And we believe that we should be honorable and make sure that the people who worked for the state, worked for their local school district, they should get the retirement they were promised. What you're saying is that we can't make these false promises that we can't actually fund because not only does it hurt the taxpayers, not only does it hurt these people who are struggling to get their footing again, it also puts government workers at risk. Is that right? That's correct. And you can see it already. Pension costs have increased so much you know, is showing up in local government payrolls. 
you know, they can't hire as many workers. During the pandemic, local governments cut so many workers, they actually contributed to the, largely contributed to the decline in employment. So we're already seeing it. You know, it also means that, you know, with fewer people servicing local residents, the quality of your services and amenities is decreasing, right? Those are all factors that uh, determine whether or not people are going to move into Illinois or leave the state, right? So like you said earlier, right, if you are paying higher taxes, but the benefits that you get for your tax burden, for your higher tax burden is great, right? I'm talking about schools. You know, we all want good schools for our kids. We want good parks. We want amenities, right? If the benefits are there, you stay, right? The benefits outweigh the cost, right? So you stay. Uh, But if that's not true, then you end up leaving the state. In fact, uh, you know, in the last decade or so, 300,000 or so Illinoisans each year are facing higher costs for staying than the benefits. And so we're seeing a ton of out-migration. This is not a new problem in Illinois. We're seeing it because they're saying, they're basically saying, right, the costs are too high and uh, I just can't afford to stay here anymore. You brought up this fact that this is not a new problem for Illinois. Obviously, COVID has exacerbated a lot of the problems that we have here. But Illinois' economic growth was lagging the rest of the country for years during the economic expansion that came prior to this downturn. So talk about our historical economic performance. Let's talk like in the past couple of decades, maybe. And then what do we look like now? Is it the same trajectory? Is it getting worse? What is your take on the situation? Yeah, it's, it's definitely gotten worse, right? Uh, so, so we were lagging the rest of the country. By the way, the, the reason why we lagged the rest of the country during the last economic expansion was, in my opinion, the fact that before we had recovered, actually recovered from the Great Recession, fiscal policy was just terrible in Illinois. We were raising taxes. In 2011, we raised taxes, a record tax hike. We weren't back at full employment yet. And yet, you know, at the state level, we were raising taxes. The rest of the country, let me tell you, monetary policy kept interest rates very low, right? So we weren't at full employment. The central banks were saying, okay, we need to stimulate the economy. The federal government was sending transfers to governments, and the state of Illinois was engaging in what we call contractionary policy. They were raising taxes, doing the opposite of what everybody would do when you're not back at full employment. And so, of course, Illinois lagged in its recovery. But we got to a point in in January of 2020, December 2019, where the unemployment rate was at an all-time low. It was 3.5%. So we were humming again. And then COVID happened. You know what COVID did? The good is that it exposed disparities that existed before COVID. Illinois was was full of you know holes, right? There were so many pre-existing racial disparities in the state of Illinois, more so in Illinois than in other states. And what COVID did is it actually exposed that. It brought it to light. There's no reason, for example, that Black workers, regardless of their educational attainments, uh, the the gap between whites and black workers in in terms of employment, the employment gap, is twice that of the rest of the country, right? There's no reason why that's true in Illinois and not true in Indiana, for example, right? Unless there's a serious problem in Illinois. Maybe COVID-19 is going to get us to actually address this issue 
I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful that we're finally going to look at these pre-existing disparities in the state of Illinois, a state which, by the way, has been, for the most part, controlled by Democrats, right, in the legislature, right? And, you know, these lawmakers who, uh, you know, have repeatedly said they cared about the poor and less fortunate, they cared about inequality. Why is the state of Illinois so unequal? That's a that's a serious question that uh, and we need to we need to address these issues right away. I, I think, you know, when you look at the numbers like those pension numbers I just talked about, to me, it's not really surprising that if for years and years you are shifting resources to one small group of the population. Right. And you're uh, letting neighbors, communities basically, uh, you know, deteriorate and not doing anything about that, you're going to have more inequality. You and Bryce Hill, our our senior policy analyst who works closely with you, were looking at how the state treated small businesses as well as these different demographic disparities that you just mentioned. And I think that the small business research that you did was so important because, of course, job creators in Illinois are largely small businesses. Small businesses are responsible for two-thirds of all new jobs created here, right? So it was really hard over the past however many months to watch people who owned retail stores, who own restaurants, struggle. And I'm curious why, as an economist, you not only from a moral side think this matters, but from an economic side, why does what happened to small businesses during the pandemic matter? Yeah, I think you, you, you just hit it already, right? So, you know, if they create the bulk of new jobs and we, are, and we want a recovery, well, we need them to, to survive, right? Unfortunately, many businesses in those sectors affected did not survive. And so it's not surprising that many workers that were employed in those industries and and worked for those businesses are not in the labor force right now. You know, I talked earlier about disparities and I talked about the fact that those without a college degree had left the labor force altogether. Uh, You know, it was a combination of fewer opportunities, but it was also the fact that the unemployment income had exceeded lost earnings. When you look at those numbers, you know, you look at those industries that were affected. 85% of black women without a college degree were employed in those industries, right? Compared to 76 Hispanic women uh, with no college degrees and 65% of white women with no college degrees. So those industries, those jobs that were basically left to die, employed, primarily employed black women with no college degrees, right? A, a large proportion of them. And so it's not surprising. The state could have done something about it. We had a 10-year recovery, right? Although it was slower than the rest of the country, it was still an economic expansion. During that economic expansion, we put 25% of our finances into pensions and did not have a rainy day fund before COVID-19, right? And, And, you know, that rainy day fund could have helped, could have gone to communities that were disproportionately harmed by the pandemic, Illinois was unprepared. Many states, I guess, were unprepared. But, you know, we know these things happen, right? So recessions happen. They may not be global pandemics, but recessions happen, and the state should prepare itself. There's going to be another crisis, right? The state should always be prepared, uh, should take advantage of, an imp- of a recovery to, to save up, 
for that rainy day. Illinois is not in a position to do that. And the reason it's not in a position to do that is because almost one-third of its resources is going to its pensions, right? So this pension problem is a major problem that I think needs to be addressed right away in order to kind of avoid getting back where we are right now in the future. So give us some good news. I, I know at the top of our conversation, you started to express that, you know, you think if if everything stays on the same course it's on now, we're probably looking at being back to full force in a year, economically speaking. What What's the good news? Because you told us a lot of the bad news. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like doom and gloom, I know. Uh, but the good news is that policy can fix a lot of these issues, right? And so it's just a willpower, it's lawmakers uh, putting politics aside and actually focusing on people. So, you know, I mentioned this pension crisis, addressing the pension crisis is going to help. Illinois needs to, so we saw during the pandemic that Americans relocated, right? So all of a sudden, you know, my, by the way, migration across the country had been on the decline. But during the pandemic, we saw Americans moving. And they moved to states that offered more, more for less, right? Illinois had a unique opportunity. And in fact, I shouldn't say had, it still has a unique opportunity to improve its offerings, right? Reforming our broken pension system to lower its, the state's tax overall tax burden or to invest heavily in things that Americans care about could help to grow the state's economy. So Orfe, I, I always like to treat you as if you had a crystal ball in your office. I like to come into your office and say, Orfe, what's going to happen? What can we do? And I just expect that you'll have an answer. So I'm going to do that too now. We're talking a lot about solutions here. What are some of the positive economic policies that the government could implement right now or in the future that would help encourage people to re-enter the labor force? Well, you know, the, the people are going to be looking for work no matter what, right? So, you know, as unemployment benefits expire in September, uh, the extended unemployment benefits expire in September, people are going to get back into the labor force and kind of step up their job search intensity. What government could do right now besides uh, policies that actually stimulate labor demand, help support job creation, is also invest in those workers to help them gain the right skills, to gain the skills that they need to compete in a post-pandemic, uh, post-COVID economy, right? The world has shifted so fast in the last 12 months, and many of these workers, many of them without a college degree, don't have necessarily have the right skills right now to compete. Uh, to, and so, uh, you know, I talked about this pension crisis. I talked about the, the resources that are uh, shifted to this pension problem, you know, fixing the pension situation in order to invest in people and the future to gain, give them the skills they need to be competitive in this more digital, you know, new post-COVID economy. It would be a great way to stimulate our economy, to grow Illinois' economy over the long run. And, but also to help many of these struggling families. Are you optimistic? Yeah, I, I, I am. I am because I'm staying in Illinois and I'm even thinking about, uh, you know, uh, buying a home uh, soon in the area. So I am optimistic. I'd like to raise my kids here. But yeah, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for that change. Um, 
you know, so I don't have to change my mind again. Yeah, well, I'm selfishly very interested in you staying because we're neighbors and our kids are friends and your wife is lovely and so are you. So thank you for your time. And it's been really fun to have this conversation. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit IllinoisPolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Policy Shop.